You're listening to Permission to Shine, the podcast. Stories of overcoming obstacles and finding self-empowerment with Sharice Bisram, Inner Power Activation Leader. The Oxford Dictionary describes permission as the action of officially allowing someone to do a particular thing, consent, authorization. What if you were that someone and you gave yourself the permission to be everything you wanted to be and more? No more playing small and accepting less than. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, regardless of what it is that you've been through. And honestly, it's exactly what you've been through that has shaped you into the version of yourself that you are now. Like a diamond, you've endured so much, but instead of breaking, you've become stronger and brighter. And if that's not a reason to shine, then I don't know what is. And if nature can do it, then why the hell can't you? You are brave, you are strong, you are powerful, and you are enough. Hear my call and give yourself the permission to shine, because you don't realise how many people are inspired by your light. Hello everyone, I am so excited to be joined by the amazing Alessia. We have literally been in the same group for a couple of months now and you know I keep meaning to get her on board and then one day she posted something and I was like yeah that's it, that's the moment, that was the universe drawing you into me Alessia. Thank you for being here. (laughs) If you'd like to give the audience a bit more about who you are, your title. Yeah, so I'm Alessia. I am a single mama to three children and I'm a confidence transformation coach and domestic abuse mentor. So I've been doing that for about, oh God, nearly three years now. Amazing. And I love, you know, everything you stand for and the reason why you do it. And obviously that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on board because I just feel like even in my own family, your Mm. story isn't too far removed from you know what what my family's been through and yeah. people in, I know you know like so many women that are experiencing similar situations and obviously men too but you know obviously yeah. all of my stuff is geared towards women really but I just feel like it's not spoken about enough mm-hmm. it's not normalized enough and I don't think people realize um the depths of how it can transform your life in a really hard way um, so yeah I would love for you to you know please go into as much detail as you'd like to share um, mm-hmm. and just tell us about your story yeah okay it's a long one <laughs> bear mm-hmm. with so when I was growing up it was very much I was growing up in like a, a quite um everyone got married when they got married it was forever it was that kind of vibe you know and that that was what you had to aim for in life and I was never the kind of girl that dreamt of that but I knew that's what I wanted to do so be a wife a good wife have like a lovely home and have the kids and all that jazz so I got into a relationship when I was 19 and I think I was quite naive about love and about what a healthy relationship was because I don't think um that schools do anything which they should do around relationships so I was very naive like the whole Disney thing of you find a prince you fall in love and it's happily ever after but when I got into this relationship um, I was with him for about seven months and in that whole time he he was the reason I changed completely as a, as a person as a woman so he was physically abusive sexually abusive and he was psychologically abusive so when I had the guts to then end it with him he then stalked me for nearly four years so that was really quite well that's where I got my complex PTSD from basically and that's when I started self-harming my mental health just went well it just went into into an absolute meltdown and at that day and age stalking was not a crime 
So nothing was done about it. And in terms of the whole um, domestic abuse situation, the police did nothing about it. It was just real. I was just let down everywhere. And there was no knowledge and understanding of any charities to support me, nothing. And I was so young. So because of that experience, I then wanted to work in a field where I could help other women and help families who were going through similar situations. So I trained up and got into that role. So I worked with loads and loads and loads of women, supporting them, helping them through it all, getting them to escape if need be, and giving them tools and, and the techniques to really kind of boost their confidence and get them in a place where they felt that they had their power and their control back because you lose that so much and you lose your identity as well. But the issue with that role was I felt that domestic abuse was still primarily only aimed at physical abuse. And actually, there's a whole rainbow of it. And this is where I struggled. So I trained in a domestic abuse course called the Freedom Program, which is amazing. But it does not focus on all the other elements that... um, that come along when it comes to domestic abuse such as the coercive control the narcissism and, and all of that and that was where I really struggled because I don't feel professionals understood it and really in my over 15 years experience in that role they were the main areas of domestic abuse that I felt women were going through was the coercive control financial abuse and all of that so anyway, I was in the field and as you would think, you'd think I would have been aware of the signs and all of that jazz. But I think because I was in a, I had been in a physically abusive relationship, I had that in my head as the relationship you don't go, you don't get involved in. So then when I met my ex-husband, he was a very calm person he was very um he had a good job he he was just very together he was quiet and I think the calm and the quiet was what made me think oh that means you're safe which was so wrong so I got into a relationship with him and when I look back I see the signs so early on but I never saw them at that time and I would always be someone who would excuse people's behavior all the time so for me it was oh he had a really bad childhood so he just needs support he just needs me to fix him which you can't fix him so he was never physical but it got worse and worse and worse to the point where I never knew what he earned I never knew what happened at his job so he's a police officer he still is so I never knew what he did within his role like what happened that shift nothing I wouldn't know about his shifts either so it was very much me and the children we had to revolve around him and it was like we had a separate life almost like I had to keep the house together sort the children out give him money every month I had to give three quarters of my wage so I was left with around 200 pounds a month to pay for petrol for me to work anything I needed and anything children needed and food so I didn't know how much he earned so I didn't know what income was coming into the home I just knew that that's what I had to give him and that was the end of it and I had to provide everything else for for me and my kids and I was very much a single parent like I would say I was a single parent for the moment that my eldest was born um and I think I went along almost in denial that it was happening and I think I felt embarrassed because in my eyes, it was like, well, I should really know this, like why I'm helping other women. Yeah, I can't help myself. And I was 
facilitator of a domestic abuse program, telling them all these things. And then deep down, I was like, yeah, he does that, he does that, he does that. But I just kind of brushed everything under the carpet. Um, and also it was like that fear of being a single parent on my own because they make you feel like you can't do anything without them. So, you know, I tried to end it a few times when a light bulb came on and he would either tell me he was going to kill himself or that uh, he would take the children away from me, tell everyone about my mental health issues. So therefore he would be the stable parent and he'd be the protective parent and I'd have to go and get a full-time job. I'd have to go and get a flat and he would stay in the family home with the kids. So it put, put on me a lot of fear. So therefore that stopped me and I just stayed there. And obviously the whole, like, I'm going to change. Da, 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 da. So I think the, 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 the bit that really hit me was when I was pregnant with our, our third child, I was seven months pregnant and it was, um, it was around January time, I think. And it was, cold wet and it was evening time I had some wrapping and some loose papers and stuff and I put them in a bin bag tied it up and left it outside I can't remember whether he'd come home from a shift or or it wasn't or he, he was just still in his uniform I'm not sure but he literally came to the kitchen he went you didn't tie it up properly all the stuff's all over the garden I was like oh okay I'll do it tomorrow when really looking back it should have been I'm well, seven months pregnant you can go and do that but you just don't think like that you're like a robot you do what they want so I was like, I'll do it tomorrow. And he went, no, 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 you're going to do it now. And I was like, mm. I was like, okay, all right. So I went out there. It was raining. I was cold. I was wet. And then we used to have this thorn bush on the left side of the garden. And loads of it went within that bush, but I couldn't reach it. So I came in with what I'd collected and I said, I can't reach that stuff in there because it's in the thorn bush. And I said, so, you know, I can't get it. And he was like, well, get on your hands and knees. And that was the point I was like, that's not okay. And that's when it really kind of just went, boom, what the hell? And I was really angry. And I'd never, ever called him abusive before that day. So I went out and did it. And I was crying because I was angry. I was sad. I was shocked. All of the things. I couldn't get all of it, but I got what I could. Came back in and I was just wet as anything. And I was so angry. And normally I would just hide all my emotions and just cry without him knowing. And that's how I dealt with it, you know, before. And he was laughing and he was like, why are you looking like that? And I was like, cause I cannot believe you just made me do that. And he said, so what are you going to do about it then? And I said, well, that's abusive. And that was the first time I actually said that. And I was, I was scared, but I think I got to a point where I thought I've done this for so many years and he was getting worse and worse. So I said it. And I think he was a bit shocked and he went, okay, so what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I can call the police. And then that's when he just looked at me, smirked and went, I am the police. So that was when the light bulb went off and I thought, actually, I'm not safe with you anymore. So from that point, I thought, right, things need to change. So I was thinking, I just need to have my son and then I need to try and sort something out. I started to drip feed little bits and pieces to close friends and family about him. Sorry, now, this no is what I was going to say. Just before right. you carry on, I was just about yeah. to say that to you because I feel like even in your very first relationship, was yeah. your family and friends aware of what was happening? No, I kept no. all of it because I think I I was so young. I was 19. I don't think I knew what to do. Mm. I know that sounds really bizarre, but I think you go into such a state of shock yeah and he he even had my mobile phone like like that yeah. first relationship and 
for example, when I went to go and get a, a new contract mobile phone, I wasn't allowed to go on my own. Mm. So he took me and I remember going into the shop and because my male friend was in there and gave me a really good deal, I went with his deal, not with my ex-boyfriend's deal. And because of that, he went mental. And he literally grabbed my elbow, dragged me through a shopping centre, took me into the car and literally two spaces there was like a gap no cars in between there was a car with loads of women in it and I was sat there looking at them as he was like trying to punch me and just trying to scare me screaming at me and they were staring at me in shock and I remember mouthing help and they didn't so I think that made me think okay I can't really tell anybody about this because you know what 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 are they going to do to help me I'm kind of stuck and there was that fear that if I told people he would find out and then I'd get more of a consequence yeah. for that. No, so, I you know, it, it's really hard. So with then my ex-husband, so that happened. And so I started to like drip feed little bits and pieces to people. But I don't think people really know what to say half the time. Do you think as well that you probably isolated yourself so much in that relationship that oh, people yeah. didn't really know what was going on with you just in general? So yeah. even if you did come out with that, they probably yeah. didn't even question it because I guess from your past relationship, they're probably used yeah. to that pattern of you just, you know, as we, you know, it's that, it's that thing, isn't it? Western culture when they talk about, oh, they're in relationships, so they're whipped almost. So it's like that idea that all you care about is your person. But actually sometimes it's actually a massive red flag, isn't it? You know, for oh, me, gotcha. I think that in a lot of, um, you know, with my friends and stuff, I'm very aware that if they get into a new relationship and I don't speak to them for like a year, where I'm like, okay, yeah. something's wrong now. So yeah. I think um, for anyone that's in that situation listening in, you know, if you haven't spoken to a friend for a while and they're in a new relationship, just check in. I mean, likely it might not be anything, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's always worth just being extra um aware because again if you're in that situation where you're completely trapped and debilitated just someone just reaching out to you be like are you okay like really are you okay I haven't spoken to you a really long time yeah that might be the opening they need right absolutely Um, sorry carry on I was I was I was just wondering the whole way whenever you need like yeah yeah that's good that's a good point to be honest because yeah he isolated me so much that I didn't see my friends that I had work Christmas dues I never went to them um because like I I couldn't I wasn't allowed to and having friends over I had to sneak friends over when he was working a night shift and it's just all of those things and I think looking back at at my friendships and my family I think because I excused his behavior for various different reasons I think they just went along with that and then also, I think because I was married and had children, I don't think my family recognised um, that actually I shouldn't have been in that relationship. I think they just thought it's marriage. You kind of just need to get on with it. They they didn't really like him, but, you know, none of their business. Almost that kind of, even though we're very, very close, um, I think it's that generation as well. Do you know what's funny Hello. though that you noticed yeah. that they didn't like him, and I wonder yeah. if it's the way he was in his energy that they picked up on that they didn't like, and it's almost like it, when you're in that relationship, I guess you're fighting for him because you're like, no, yeah. I these this is a man I chose, rah rah rah, and I think yeah. your family probably instinctively knew something wasn't right, but they couldn't put their finger on it. Yeah, and also he, if ever he did come over to my family to their home, he would sit in a chair and just be on his phone or fall asleep. 
he didn't really converse he didn't nothing and I'd be so embarrassed yeah and eventually he stopped doing that anyway but even on my wedding day I wasn't excited I wasn't nervous I felt nothing and I think that's a massive flag for myself and I didn't plan my wedding I just was like I I don't care like you know you all just do what you want I I was very uh, you know I'm, I'm not bothered by it I'm just not one that dreams of a wedding day but actually when I look back it was that I just didn't feel it um so 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 yeah so that happened and then lockdown um occurred and I think I tried to end it with him three times before then so after that incident I tried to end it with him a few times and then it was just the same old kind of pattern of stuff and I would get really really afraid and then lockdown happened and I think for a lot of people that was either the time that they transformed and they really worked on themselves or it was a time where people really struggled and for me it's a mixture of both so I was then stuck at home I was a key worker so still had to work from home plus I had to homeschool my children and then I had um, my younger two who hadn't started school yet so they were like toddlers they're 16 months apart with them too so it was just manic and I felt like I was going to tip over the edge and my self-harming, I never told anybody, but I was still self-harming on and off throughout throughout that time. And it was just a way of me coping. And then I remember in lockdown, I was in the shower and I remember just collapsing down and I self-harmed and I cried so much. And I just thought, I can't do this anymore. Even my children will be better off without me. That's the kind of mindset that I got into and it was terrifying when I look back, I think, gee, I was in such a bad place. But again, I was so isolated. I didn't see anybody. I couldn't speak to anybody. So then I discovered Gabrielle Bernstein. Is that her name? I discovered her book, Universe Has Your Back. And literally that book opened my eyes and I was like, oh my god there's this like world that I didn't even know and I've always been a spiritual person so I've grown up as a Catholic but I'm not a Catholic anymore but I've always been spiritual I've always been drawn to the moon and my Italian family are very when I think about it they're very um spiritual as well like my uncle is trained in Reiki and he's amazing with it and my nonna was very herb like with her herbs and things and like medicinal with all of that so I think we've got it in our blood and I started to discover crystals and and I used to be scared of all that stuff but then I was just embracing it all then I I decided I needed extra money to be able to leave him so I thought right I need to bring in some sort of stability for me and my children because I had no savings no access to any money apart from what I was earning but I again had to give him money so I was like right let's try something so I started an online crystal business and I started doing that in lockdown and I absolutely loved it and I really kind of delved into that that world I guess and I found myself again like I didn't even know what my favorite color was I hadn't a clue who I was anymore so I got went on to a journey of discovering who I was in lockdown and I then started to look at my morning routine and I was like right I want to change it so I started to implement different things that I felt would work for me Um, and for a person who couldn't even run upstairs I decided to do couch to 5k now when the kids were asleep about half past nine at night which isn't the safest time but that was my only time to escape 
Um, so I would then go, so he was home, I would then go and do Couch to 5K and I completed it. And during doing Couch to 5K, I would listen to um, podcasts about starting a business. I would listen to audiobooks around spirituality and transforming my mindset. So I basically transformed who I was during lockdown through working out through journaling. I discovered journaling through crystals, through the moon, through various different books and working on my mindset and my confidence. That's and then I thought, right, I need to, I need to really kind of take more action now. And from doing all of those things, I created a foundation to enable me to feel like I could be capable of creating that positive change I needed yeah absolutely I was just going to say before you kind of carry on one Mm. obviously that's exactly kind of how my journey went as in um you know getting deeper into spirituality the journaling all of those things was in that process now mine was similar to yours in the sense that I kind of felt like I can't do this anymore but mine was because of obviously my toxic behavior patterns of like um yeah real doing energy and like constant burnout and you know realizing that I'd had childhood trauma and like working through all of those things Mm. um so that obviously exactly that I was obviously I've always been a dancer so exercise has been a really important part of my life but I was doing it for an achievement rather than for my body like the holistic side of it but the other part of that I wanted to ask you was in that process of you transforming did he notice that and what was his opinions of it or did you just stop caring about his opinion um I think for the first part of the journey I hid a lot of it because mm. he he slept at work so that was it so it was rare that he was around when I worked out anyway and then with when I started to do the couch 5k I think he started to notice that I was changing Mm. and I remember I had gym gear on and he looked at me he went you're not going out like that and I was like well yeah yeah I am and that's when I thought oh I'm actually like answered back like I started to answer back I started to like have an opinion I started to have a voice again because I wasn't allowed to have an opinion before I had to follow what he thought Mm. so it it created more friction between us um because he just thought no I'm not I'm not having that so he would try and put more authority on me mm-hmm. so therefore I would then just step up more so Absolutely. it was like you know quite, and that's quite what you needed it. though because I think yeah. that um you know that that element of him challenging you more gave mm. you more don't talk to me like that whereas before yeah. when you didn't have that inner knowing and that inner connection to yourself yeah. you were just letting him walk all over you Whereas I, yeah. that actual, he was fueling your fire. So every time he spoke back to you, you were like, I'm coming back stronger. So I yeah. think that, that was a great thing, you know, that you were able to build that, you know, almost resilience through him actually getting stronger. It was like, you're getting even stronger than that. It's like, yeah. like Pac-Man. It's always like you were eating him <laughs> each time. Like, I'm bigger. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that's that's what I did really. And then... I can't remember exactly what happened, but something happened and I said to him, that's it, you need to leave. And he refused. He was like, no, I'm not going, you and the kids have to leave. No, no, first he said, you have to leave, the children stay here. And I said, no, no, absolutely not. I will have to have the children with me. So but you need to leave. It's easier for you to go than for me to pack all my stuff up with three kids and find somewhere for us to live. Mm. But he refused. And so in lockdown, I had to leave the family home, find somewhere to rent 
on my own with three children and it was even now when I say it I can't believe I did it but I did Mm. like it was just like geez what the biggest like the biggest sign of achievement for you in that time that you were able to do that like get yourself out of it and pay that money for for somewhere when like the the older versions of you would never comprehend that that would ever be possible and you were like I'm gonna bloody do this I'll I'll show you I'm gonna do it and that is when he lost all of his power because he then couldn't control you anymore you got probably hopefully access to your full wage but the biggest sign was that you chose you and I bet he couldn't stand that oh he hated it Uh, and the funny thing is, is he actually paid for the rental because he knew if he did that I would then leave with the children he would look like the good guy and also it would be that he still has that element of control Mm. because he's got that still financial hold over me because he's paid for it yeah so the way that so you know to to some people they'll be like oh wow he paid for that for that house but it was only because it meant he still had power control Mm. he looked like the good guy and then also he could kick us out yeah and still be the good guy you know Mm -hmm. because he knew the moment I left that home to get back in there, I'd have to take him to court, which would cost me thousands and thousands and thousands. So he knew exactly what he was doing. But I was very much driven by the universe guiding me. Mm. So I discovered that the butterfly was my universal sign. So when I went and viewed, I think it was only three places available, plus being a single mum of three kids, no one wanted to know me. And I was like, oh my gosh, universe, please help me, please help me, because I'm struggling here. Mm. And so there was this house, and I didn't see butterflies anywhere. And but they accepted me because I think they felt sorry for me, bless, and they were so sweet. So I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Moved in, and as I walked up the stairs, I looked up, and there was a lampshade that was left there, and it was filled with butterflies. I just remember crying, going, "Oh my God, the universe!" And from that point on, I've always put all of my faith into universe guiding me and supporting me through everything, even when he was horrific. So the worst the most unsafe time for a woman is when you start to answer back and when you mm-hmm. leave so that's the uns- most unsafe time so I was very aware of that and that is definitely when he upped his ante so he had it in his head which is so bizarre he thought we could still be in a relationship but just live in two different houses mm. that's generally what he thought he was like yeah no I- I've still got her and he wanted me to still need him. He yeah. wanted me to have to go to him for things that I needed help with because I didn't have a clue about bills because he controlled everything. I didn't mm. even know who our gas and electric provider was, you know. Like I had no idea. So I had to start all from scratch. But he was still there. And he still is there. He still tries to control me. But from that, before I left, I trained as a coach. So I got my accreditation in coaching. And then I had all of my qualifications anyway from my previous job. So I just thought, right, I want to now really make a difference to other women's lives. So then that's when I created Day of Coaching and he belittled it so much. And he was like, you're going to fail. You can't survive without me. You wait and see. You'll come crawling back and all of this. But I'm still doing it nearly three years later. And, you know, my kids are happier. I'm happier. And he has done all sorts of different things over this the past three years since I've um since I left but I feel like I've built such a resilience to be able to manage that and give myself the love that I deserve and yes. also I've recognized that now I will talk openly about how I feel as before I wouldn't because I'd see mm. it almost as failure absolutely and fear of judgment as well 
Um, but also now I allow myself permission to be myself and mm. to give myself time out if I need. Absolutely. Because I think I just never thought I was allowed to do that before. No. So, you, know. you know, a massive well done to you. And I'm sure that you Thank feel you. proud of yourself for that. But I know how hard that journey is because I've been a, a bystander a few times to this experience. Like everything you're yeah. talking about, I know firsthand. I know how all of that works. I know how, yeah, they get more aggressive when, you know, you get more um yeah. stronger and I also know about how um they still think they're in a relationship with you like I've I've seen it all firsthand yeah. and I think because I've seen it all firsthand so many times in my life that that's what actually drew me back into myself and I didn't want a relationship so actually yeah. I've spent like um probably 11 years out of a long-term relationship because I just witnessed so much of that in my own life that I just didn't want to be a part of it now yeah over my healing process I've now obviously healed that part of myself that felt like she didn't want to open her heart up to be hurt or whatever um and I've, I've tried to let people in and all of that but I feel like that's been a journey for me even on that because yeah. I think maybe from like your child's your children's point of view like I, I'm that you know so witnessing that and, and being in in that space it's it's so important that you leave when you can because not like, even now you know, we always say, like me and my sister would say that my mum never left. So we we didn't get to see her build that strength to, to walk away. So that's yeah. so amazing for your children to see you choose you. Now, obviously, everything's changed since then. We're older, we've healed, you know, we're different parts of our life, rah, rah, rah. But that one moment of your children being able to see you stand in your power fully is amazing and I think that in itself it just shows them that you have to put you first and it's so hard like you know when when you're in that situation you know and I am speaking for you now but I feel like um for listeners that are listening you know it's almost like you go back to being a child again in that situation yeah. isn't it in that relationship yeah. like you know like you said you didn't know how to do the bills all of these things and people are like well why would you give them their money they control everything you are like your brain stops functioning because you go yeah. into this like um almost like this soft state isn't it your mind is like yeah. gooey and mushy so they're yeah. almost like you're in a trance and they're just telling mm -hmm. you what to do and you're you're doing it it's like a puppet on a string isn't it like yeah, literally absolutely. that yeah I, I can't I, and I feel like people don't understand that unless they've witnessed mm -hmm. it to see it yeah. and actually it's only been since I've done my healing journey that I'm actually able to see clearly um all of this both parts to every side you know and all the parts in the situation and understanding actually how our minds work the coercive control is actually everywhere you know like we're, oh, we're talking about that. in relationships but you know in business in friendships yeah. you, you know I've seen it so many times and and it probably been um a victim to it in certain situations in my life mm. you know when it comes to jobs and things like that and molding myself to be what people wanted me to be and and all sorts of things I think we all have some, to some degree but the real core part of this is obviously what you've done is you know the minute that you felt something wasn't you know that obviously the whole way through you felt something wasn't right but you you yeah. felt like there's more here or I should be doing something different and you found that one book that transformed your life that is the universe and your calling in that moment right and you answered the call whereas I guess for so many times in your life you kept that that phone down you're like no 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 I, I'm not allowed or I shouldn't do that and also what I want to point out as well for listeners is that when people self-harm, I don't think people understand it from an outside point of view, but oh. from like a, a mental health perspective, it's release. 
So all the time that you, you were so controlled that Mm -hmm. you were trying to find release in your body and in your life. And that's, that's that release. That's, that's, and that's almost sometimes why, um, people create arguments or get into fights yeah. it's because yeah. they are so tightly conflicted in their own body like imagine like a cage around you of whatever yeah. it is that's restricting you and you're just trying to get your way out and that was your mm-hmm. way of doing it and again it's something that I've witnessed I understand exactly what that is and at the time I didn't but now I completely see clearly what that is and um I just yeah, I feel like if if you know someone that is self-harming or you've been around that, maybe it's um a younger person, you know, I would look into what's happening in their life outside Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And there's always a reason. And, and the way that I'll say it to people is imagine yourself as a laptop. You are programmed in a certain way from your childhood, from mm. all your experiences, from your influences around you when you then get into that abusive relationship, that person reprograms every single part of your brain Mm. and you don't even know that it's happening. It's so, so subtle. Mm. And they'll make you feel so um, below them that you have no capabilities anymore. So therefore you need to be there with them because otherwise what are you going to do without them? How are you going to live? You know, so Mm. they just, they just control you in so many ways. And then in terms of self-harming, yeah, it's definitely that release. And also you're in so much emotional pain and distress that you need to redirect your brain into feeling a different type of pain because it's just too much. Yeah, That's another reason for it. But there, you know, I don't feel there's enough out there around self-harm. I don't feel there's still enough around about domestic abuse still, even this day. You know, it's a lot better than what it was when I was 19. But still, there's so much more work that needs to be done. Absolutely. No, and that's why I'm so glad that, you know, you are you are so open to tell your story. Because I think so many people are ashamed of what they've been through because they're worried about what people think but it's that story and that richness the whole reason why I started this podcast is because that's the part that people connect to you know that is that part that that understanding that we are all going through something you know so someone appears outwardly amazing all the time I can guarantee you they're probably the most conflicted because if they can't be raw and honest with how they're feeling to the outside world for Mm. me that's a massive red flag on every level like I'm so transparent about everything in my life. You know, if I'm having a bad day or, you know, things haven't gone right that day, I'm so open to share that because that it's honest and raw. You know, I spent so yeah. much of my life in a similar situation in terms of like not opening up and mm. just being so confined, like thinking that I had to be this perfect version of myself or I had to work really hard in order to gain yeah. approval and uh, validation that I didn't share any of it. I didn't speak about my feelings at all probably for about 20 years because I just didn't think that that was uh, uh, that was weak you know and, and like you yeah. said something similar you know is that that weakness even you have to crime. show you're okay all the time don't you yeah. it's that kind of, I don't know if it's that generation as well but I think my upbringing was like that like mm. you know oh no we don't talk about that and yeah. it's like yeah I need to talk about that so now that I'm so open I think I shock my parents because I'm just like but then I I feel like I have to yeah and but for your family as well like you know like for me culture is a massive part of you know who I am and obviously for you and I feel like the more you open up I'm sure that they get into that richness of conversation again because you know from my understanding of Italians they're so like brash and like open and you know but I guess more my mum's side you see my mum's side is Polish Uh, right okay 
So they fled uh, in World War Two, and and this is where probably lots of trauma comes from, yeah. like ancestral trauma. But yeah, they literally one day the Russians got my granddad's side, I think, and the Germans got my my grandma's side, and literally they were just told, right, pack your stuff, you're you're off. Mm. And then their grandparents were like shot shot in front of them, and then they were just yeah. literally parted off in yeah. these carts. Horrific and. I think the, the a lot of the issues is that my Bapcha, so my mum's mum, she came into this country thinking she had to be something mm. to be accepted because they weren't allowed to be called by their Polish names. They had to be called by an English name. Yeah. So my granddad was John, but his actual name is Kazimierz. So, you know, yeah. it's just they weren't allowed to have their Polish roots here. Absolutely. Um, so I think a lot of that stems from that, that you 100%. have to be you know you yeah. have to present in a certain way or she wouldn't be accepted into you society the nail on the head that's exactly what it is you know even just yeah. from from hearing it you know like I can absolutely see that I have a little bit of this little bit of a gift where if someone tells me something I can find the root of it straight away so as you're speaking I'm wow. like yeah like doing this like matrix thing in my head where yeah. I'm like yes that's it exactly that 100 yeah. percent. and it's so funny actually because I'm reading um a book called uh, I've Just Finished The Choice by Edith Edgar and now reading The Gift. I don't know if you've heard of oh, Edith Edgar. Oh, no, I've heard of it, but I've not, I've not read any of the books. I, I would recommend it because it's probably similar to what your um, oh. grandparents have experienced. That it, she's, okay. um, I think, where is she from? Bulgaria. Um, okay. But that she has to flee and go to, Al- uh, well, they try to flee. They end up in Auschwitz. She's a, like, a family mm-hmm. get obviously killed in front of her, like you said, or go into the gas chambers. And it's just about her story of resilience and how she managed to survive that just yeah. by her own, like escaping into her own mind and like telling mm-hmm. herself that things would be okay, planning her future. And um, like the book at the beginning is obviously about that part. And the next part is how she's been able to live her life, moving on from that. And she's a therapist now. So some oh, really yeah. incredible stories about how she's helped others. But yeah, it seems very like this is actually that, you know, like what you're speaking about, which is, um yeah, remarkable. And, you know, your family as well, like how incredible that, they survived all of that and they got through it all. It's just crazy. Honestly, isn't it? that's a whole nother podcast. It's absolutely. An incredible story what they went through. Absolutely. Really. No, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's it's yeah, beyond me. But I guess it's why that resilience is in your blood, right? You had it. It's I always think been so, there. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And I think my Italian side of those women are very strong. They are oh, bad yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. My God, my non has one of twelve. And she was literally pregnant or breastfeeding for 24 years. I That's mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, <laughs> I'm like, blimey, I can't cope with three. Yeah. And she came from wealth, um, but her sister got cancer. So they ended up having to sell so many things to help for her treatment. And unfortunately, mm. it didn't work. But they then became really, really broke. And she told me how she would try and cook what she could from, from the land and she had seven of her children with her and my nonna in one bedroom with a little mm. bathroom and a little like sink and stuff. And yeah. from that, they then created created their, their life again. Like she's she was incredible, incredible mm. woman. And she had this analogy that always made me, I've always lived by that. So she would say, think of a family as the man is the head. So, you know, because of that day, they'd be going out to work. Should the children be the limbs, but the woman is the spine. And without the spine, it can't mm. function. And I'd be like, yeah. yes, I've heard that and, before. Know, I'm like, mm, have yeah. you? Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah. Love it. So that's how I try and live by. 
um, now thinking, do you know what? I am the spine and I keep things going. So, do you know what, though? What I'd say to you, Alessia, is you could be the whole body. Oh, I love that. You can be the whole body. <laughs> and, and you know, like, and I think that's kind of where you're at right now, isn't it? You're building your life, you know, creating yeah. everything you want for yourself. And, you know, I can feel the strength within you, even when you're speaking, which is amazing to feel, because this is such a hard story and a, a hard thing that you've had to overcome. And I think, um, yeah, it's so wonderful to have you here, share your vulnerability and your openness, you. because it's so needed. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, you've told us a few moments of where you feel like you kind of gave yourself the permission to shine. Yeah. But if you could put it down to like one moment, what do you think it would be that was like, right, this is it. This is the change. I think I think the moment he um, when I was pregnant, that incident, I think that was the light bulb, the real mm. light bulb. And then looking at my children and realizing they didn't know what real love was mm. that was where I stepped into that version of me that was like it's now time yeah. and that I wanted to show them self-love more than anything absolutely um and I think that my children definitely have seen that because I remember being in the car with my son about six months ago and the troll soundtrack came on and the song unbreakable came on mm. and there's a bit in it um the chorus bit and then when it says you know you're unbreakable my eldest turned to me he went mummy that's you that's what mm. you're like and I was like oh that's and so that's lovely constantly kept me going where was my children yeah definitely that's such a lovely story I feel like emotional when you're telling me that I'm like oh my god but that's that's <laughs> it that's it. it's those moments isn't it those really beautiful moments and especially for your children and it's that you know we're a mirror I always say it yeah. all the time we're a mirror to our universe the fact that your yeah. children are, are reading that and seeing that that's yeah. so amazing like, I've had a few moments with my niece actually and she's um she asks me who bought me something so she'll be like who bought you that and no one's bought me I've bought it for myself like, everything she says is I've bought for myself so now she's like you bought yourself that didn't you and I'm like yes I did so it's I just teaching that. her that that is possible you know and it's yeah. those moments that we get to see our our legacy being created in front yeah. of us and it's so wonderful because Absolutely. I feel like your sons are going to be incredible partners because they've witnessed both sides to to this situation haven't they yeah. but I guess um you know for, for people listening maybe they're in a difficult relationship at the moment yeah. um or you know maybe they're not sure like maybe what's like a couple of signs that you would say that to look out for in maybe even anyone going into a relationship or in a relationship at the moment that they should be aware of and then um maybe like three key steps that they can do to kind of yeah start to move out of it yeah I think one of the key things is if you feel like you're walking on eggshells that's a massive red flag you should never feel like you're treading around that person or worried about how they react or worried about what they'll say. And I think that's probably one big thing. Another thing is if you feel that you're not good enough, if you feel you're not good enough, it means that they are not making you feel like you deserve. You deserve to feel like you're the best thing they've ever seen, the best thing they've ever been with. You you deserve to feel like you are beautiful and clever and all of those things, you know? And I think really think about that and one more thing is the relationship you're in now or one that maybe you're going into always ask yourself if my daughter was in this or my younger self what would I say to them 
how would I mm. feel about that relationship that they're in or they're going into and when you look at it from your inner child or from you know uh, uh, your child's point of view if you have a child or not that's when it really clicks Mm, that's what I've said before you know so it's funny yeah. that you said that absolutely that no I, lo- I love that so much and it is that isn't it and I think you know our work is all about building the the, the person up to, yeah. to know that they are these things they are worthy yeah. deserving beautiful so if you're yeah. going into a relationship already feeling that you won't even attract the people that are wanting to do that. I can't tell you the amount of times that and now this is the toxic masculine energy for me, for sure. Mm. I'm also a Leo, a double Leo. So my son and my rising people know they know that they can't mess. I tell you this for a fact. I've got so many, you know, friends or family members that have had these like type of men in their relation in their Mm. relationships in their life and I've been in a room with them and they don't even say anything to me or talk back to me whereas they'll talk down to the waiter they'll talk down to someone else or you know uh, another girl or you know someone because a lot of these these types of men they don't talk up to other men because it's that energy right that masculine energy whereas I exude that anyway because I'm such a like bold person now I don't say it's masculine energy anymore but it's strong energy like I know who I am in the room and a few times I've called them out on stuff and they wouldn't even say anything back to me and I'm like that that is that when you know that you are everything you are strong you feel aligned and worthy those types of people don't even come into your energy field and that's why it's so important that you do work on your self-concept and who you are on the inside because like we said your vibe attracts your tribe like the energy inside of you is what's moving outwards it's all of this is so interconnected and I guess um you know, maybe for women that are like listening to this thinking, right, I need to leave. What Uh would be like uh, just a couple of steps that you would recommend to like, even before they left, like what would be like the things that you would suggest? Okay, I'd probably say three things. So one is really step into the version of you that feels strong and has that badass energy. You need to gain your power back. And to enable you to do that, you have to gain knowledge and understanding of the situation you're in. How your um, partner works is really vital. So knowing exactly the cycle of abuse and um, how to manage that is really key. Um, so so learning about, about that is really important. Also, it's about building your confidence and your ability to believe that you can do it. So loads of visualizations, meditations, journaling, um, you know, yoga, breath work, all of those things. So try and find something that you feel connected and aligned to and use that to build yourself back up slowly. Another thing is get a bank account that they do not know about and start to put money into that. Now, some people have said to me, oh, but how do you do that when they control your bank account? What you can do is you go to a shop and you ask for cash back get cash back and then you put that into that bank account they'll never know about it that way so there's there's that so start financially building things up for yourself and then thirdly is create a safety plan so with the safety plan is where you put on there you have a code word for your friends and family now only share that and your story with the people you trust who you know has no connection to your partner because otherwise it can get back to them so really be um be mindful of that Think of a code word. So when shit hits the fan or when you're ready to go, you just literally send that code word to your friends and family and then they know exactly what's happening and what to do. 
So then you kind of think of a um, like a plan of maybe you're going to go to someone's house when you end it or you're going to call the police and then send the code with, then your friends and family are going to come straight away. Um, have maybe a little bag of stuff to then be able to just pick up and go with. I know that for me, I started to buy things like kettles and toasters and things like that. And I'd keep them in the attic where I knew he would never go to in a box that I labeled Christmas. He would never look in that. That's what I did. Um, and then I had a little bag of like, just like underwear and pajamas, toothbrush, spare, things like that, just in case. And in that safety circle, you put all the people that you trust and who you can go to when you need to go and when you need to leave. So those are probably the three things I would say. Um, and if you feel that you are able to reach out to a professional, then I would definitely recommend that. But be mindful that that would then be when your partner might know the situation and what and what you're planning to do. So, you know, someone like me, someone like you, you know, just reach out to people that you feel you can talk to and get guidance from also really helps because you then feel you've got that support network there that is non-judgmental. So that's probably what I would say. It's probably quite a lot, but yeah. Yeah, no, it, but I think it's so important and it's so lovely to just hear that plan as well that I think for so many people, as you know, that I guess you feel like there's no way out, whereas there yeah. is. And I've said it a few times to the people in my life that have been in this situation that when you're in the problem, it feels like you're drowning and there's mm -hmm. no way out around you, but all yeah. you have to do is swim. Yeah. And I think that that's all, almost what you've given us there is that plan, you know, mm -hmm. like it's one arm, then the next and the next, like you just keep Absolutely. swimming. And, and on the other side of this is clear water. And it's yeah. just, it's heavy and it's hard. But I really believe like spiritually as well, that our lives are planned ahead of us before we arrive. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, this is really woo woo, but I just think that our soul contract is already set and everything yeah. that we do is to build us into the person that we need to be for the world. So absolutely, clearly you needed to, to go through all of this to be, you mm -hmm. know, the best mum you could be, the best example to your kids, but also to help mm -hmm. so many other women in this situation. And it's so lovely to hear your story and it's, it's so beautiful and heartfelt. And I think, um, probably I feel more emotional listening to it because so much of what you've been through resonates with my own life. So I think that that's also really lovely to hear that you found your strength and your power and why it's so important, isn't it? You know, and you know, oh, like yeah. you said, you know, if you are listening and you just want to reach out, maybe you can't afford to like use these services yet. Like we, we have free resources and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, my DMs to. are always open. Yeah, always open. So I don't want finance to be the reason that a woman doesn't, start creating that change for yeah, herself you know? so yeah absolutely but but please tell us how people can work with you yeah so I have a one-to-one -one, um goddess package program um I also have a membership and I've also got an online domestic abuse program so um where if you don't feel ready to talk to someone about it then that is something you can access in your own time whenever mm. you feel you know like you need yeah. to and from that you learn everything you need to know about domestic abuse and healing and recovery so yeah. um that is what I offer at the moment um and also my dms are always open I'm always talking to so many women in there like supporting them and helping them through it because I think that's key is building that trust mm -hmm. and gaining that knowledge and understanding to then have your power back 
so absolutely yeah. no well thank you so much for all the amazing work you're doing and it's so wonderful like when I meet someone that's so soul aligned to what they're doing it's such oh. a wonderful thing and I I feel it do you know what I mean I really do feel it I've, I've met a few people that I'm like oh, that's questionable that you're doing this as a job <laughs> but hey ho you know each to our own but I feel like it's it's the people that are so in it like lived through every part of it that understands oh. it fully and you know one of the questions that I would have asked you before is obviously like the patterns that you repeat, but I guess, you know, we've heard that it's something you fall into again. And it's only yeah. when you choose you fully, yeah. because I, I feel like so many people, um, and I want to speak on women because obviously that's my most sort of taxing yeah. community is that I feel like so many women are searching for a partner that they forget that they are the relationship they have the most you know with themselves so it's like if we could shift the focus to not looking externally for happiness and love and actually build it for ourselves first that we are going to go into the right relationship feeling the most aligned feeling the most abundant like I said before I just think you know I mean I've been single a long time in my life and I know that that's everything I've been working on you know over the last couple of years it's like how can I be the best version of myself for me first you know and I I know that as a byproduct of that the person I do end up with will be amazing because I'm amazing that's right (laughs) and I do feel society makes us women feel like you have to do all these things by a certain time otherwise it's not acceptable Mm. like you have to have children you have to get married but you you have to have work but don't work too much absolutely being a businesswoman mm, you know especially if you want to be a mama that's that's not good either Mm. and you know I I was on my brother's stag do and there were two women there and both of them don't want kids and both and one of them doesn't want to get married and I was like hell yeah I was like I'd love that for you and they were like really yeah because women are made to feel like we need to fit in this box Mm -hmm. and actually we don't need to fit into no box we need to just be ourselves and unapologetically ourselves and live the life that we truly want to live not by standards you know and like ever flowing and ever growing as well like I feel like if you want to change your mind if you want to change your career path you want to change whatever you're doing it's really okay like you don't have to follow one journey for the rest of your life and I think that's something else like the stomach I teach the um when I go into the schools as well, I'm like, you don't have to have it figured out now. Honestly. I love that. I yeah. love that. Oh, I just, that's so inspirational. Yeah. Well, this is it. I think we're so programmed to, you know, choose what you want to do in your options in year nine and then yes. go go on and make a career out of it. It's like, what what sort of boring crap is that? I'm sorry. No, like, it's awful, isn't it? Yeah. I was the person that didn't go to uni in my whole school year. And the career woman turned around to me, she went, you know, you're going to fail at life wow sorry yeah so, so I, I wish you could say to her on. now you're gonna fail at love no we don't do that we don't do that we just feel we, we feel compassion we feel compassion for her and we send her so love love and light, love and light because yeah. she probably is going for a hard time and that's that's probably um, what she did you know absolutely but yeah oh it's been so lovely talking to you like, oh, honestly I've you. really enjoyed hearing your story honestly it's touched me so much um but to end off obviously I do like a little soul to soul segment and it's either yeah. something you wish you could tell your younger self or a listener just whatever right now your soul feels like it needs to share it's your space never apologize for being yourself and always sparkle and shine that's literally what's come to my mind yes absolutely that well it's on point eh we're, we're is, permission to shine the podcast yeah. <laughs> and it is that as well yeah. because I think as well with your story it's like at any point like everyone tried to knock you down and this yeah. is what I'll say and I shared a reel on this on my mentor page today it's every time someone knocked you down that's you as a rock 
you're you're yeah. this little rock that's getting tumbled and tumbled and tumbled and guess what happens at the very end of that journey the rock breaks open and there's a diamond inside and that's you so it's like oh, e- every part that. of this is is all necessary and mm. um it feels hard and difficult but there's so much we can do in this space of reframing yeah. what's happening. You don't have to be the victim of the circumstance. You can actually manipulate that situation into working in your favor. Now, manipulation sounds like a, the wrong word to use because we hear it in that coercive yeah, way, but it's remolding, reframing all of yeah. those things. And I think, um, you know, your story was very one of that because that moment that you thought, right, this isn't right. And maybe it was your job or maybe it was a multiple of factors. You know, I think the universe was definitely playing some parts. I definitely think your ancestors were playing some parts and I'd love oh, to go God, back yeah. and think about what your dreams were at the time because I'm pretty sure that there was some like cryptic dreams in there for you, 100%. Oh, um, but yes, yeah, so lovely speaking to you and I could speak to you all day. But um, yeah, it's been so wonderful to have you and I'm sure that we will, you know, reconnect. Maybe I'll have you on absolutely. again to speak about your family lineage because that was really oh, exciting. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, absolutely. We can do that for sure. It's been lovely. Thank oh, you. Thank you so much. Thank you, my love. You take care. And you.